From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Thursday edition, the Senate is taking government funding down to the wire. Right now, the thing we must do, the responsible thing to do, is pass the CR before the deadline on Friday. Democrats are united in approving it, just as it was approved with great bipartisan support in the House. Nobody here wants a Republican government shutdown. That was Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer yesterday on the Senate floor. Congress has until tomorrow night to pass a continuing resolution and keep the federal government funded through March the 11th. In fact, the Senate uh, is voting on amendments to the CAR right now as we speak. We'll get the latest from Washington Times Capitol Hill reporter Harris Alec in just a moment. And here's a number for you. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation now estimates that roughly three-quarters of the American population now have immunity to Omicron, the dominant variant of COVID-19 and potentially other variants. So will the Biden administration follow the science? As Dr. Walensky said uh, earlier, the CDC is looking at all of its guidance, including mass guidance, in light of declining cases and hospitalizations. So we are running a very thorough, deliberate process, and we will get this right. That was White House COVID Director Jeff Zents yesterday. More and more, it looks like for the Biden administration, it's politics and power, not science and health. More and more states are rolling back the mandates as the public says enough. And yesterday, the attorney general for the state of Texas filed a lawsuit against the federal government, against the Biden administration, seeking to overturn the airline mask mandate. Yay. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton joins us later. Also, according to Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker, a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, since President Biden took over as commander in chief, the military has spent six million man hours on wokeness training. Yesterday, the Pentagon hosted an event entitled Responding to China, the Case for Global Justice and Democratic Socialism. The featured speaker was a French economist saying to compete with China, the West has to drop its arrogance and move toward post-colonial socialism. So how does this help our military advance its mission? That's what I'll ask our general. Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin joins me later here on Washington Watch. And in today's Olympic 2022 Human Rights on Ice segment, we'll be joined by former Assistant Secretary of State for Democracy and Human Rights, Bob Destro. Yesterday, we discussed the second genocide that the Chinese Communist Party is engaged in today, we look at the third. Finally, God bless the Canadian truckers standing up to tyranny. Before, but before there were Canadian truckers, there were Canadian pastors. Dr. Owen Strand joins me to talk pastors, faith, freedom, and 18-wheelers. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to miss anything, you can find it all later right there at TonyPerkins.com. The verse of the day from our two-year Bible reading plan, Stand on the Word, is Exodus 26, And you shall hang the veil from the clasp and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy. Well, as believers, we can now enter this most holy place, the place of God's presence, because of the atoning death of Jesus Christ, the veil has been removed. To join us on our two-year journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. I also invite you to join me Monday through Friday at 844 Eastern Time for a short devotional each morning. It's based on our daily reading. You can join me on Facebook at Tony Perkins, or you can go to TonyPerkins.com. 
Lawmakers have until Friday night to strike a bipartisan deal to avert a government shutdown before funding runs out. So there has been a lot of scrambling. What's the latest? Well, here with me now to tell us is Harris Alec, Capitol Hill reporter for The Washington Times. Harris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hi, Tony. Always a pleasure to be with you. So give us the latest. What's happening? Absolutely. Well, as you said, it's going down to the wire. Uh, congressional uh, members of Congress have until tomorrow evening to pass a continuing resolution, a short-term funding bill to keep the government open until at least March 11th. By that time, uh, both Senate Democrats and Senate Republicans and uh, Speaker Pelosi are hoping to have a one-year-long deal on a actual budget, but we'll see if that gets done. As of now, uh, Senators Cruz and Senators Lee have uh, somewhat slowed down the process for consideration of the short-term budget bill by requesting that, that uh, Democrats and Republicans vote in the Senate on defunding President Biden's vaccine mandate. Now, obviously, parts of the vaccine mandate have already been struck down as unconstitutional for uh, private sector workers, but uh, Senators Cruz and Senators Lee uh, argue that the mandate is still very much in place for members of the military, for public health care workers, uh, for public workers in, in general, and they feel this is a brazen breach of the Constitution and something the government should not be funding. As of uh, recently, in the past 10 minutes or so, a deal has come through where they've already started voting on amendments. They're going to be voting on Senator Cruz and Senator Lee's amendment, and then after that, they should take up consideration of the bill. So it looks like it will pass tonight. Uh, Senators Cruz and Senators Lee were arguing in favor of an um, amendment that would defund the vaccine mandate that should pass by uh, a simple majority of 51 votes. Usually, most amendments have to take 60 votes or so to pass. They believe that with Senator Ben Lujan of New Mexico, a, a Democrat, being out uh, after having suffered a stroke, that there is sufficient enough support among Republicans to potentially defund this mandate. However, as we know now, a few Republican senators have already decided to leave the Capitol. Some are going to be traveling to the Munich Security Conference uh, tomorrow. So they are, uh, they, they are eager to get out of town. And we'll see if uh, these amendments by Senators Cruz and Senator Lee's, uh, and Senator Lee are going to pass. Republicans have been very, very adamant that they do not want another shutdown. They feel that uh, sufficient evidence has already come about that COVID is on a decline, that the vaccine mandates are no longer as controversial as they have been because parts of them have been struck down by the courts. Other parts, they assume, will be struck down by the courts. So there's been some uh, back and forth, some hemming and hawing among Republicans in the past week, kind of figuring out what, why would we fight over a vaccine mandate and potentially shut down the government if we cannot, um, you know, uh, for something that's already kind of going our way anyway. If these do, if these two amendments by Senator Cruz and Senator Lee's pass, uh, the House will have to take them up tomorrow morning, and then that could potentially cause a minor government shutdown. But by most expectations, they will not pass tonight. What's interesting about this is it's a numbers game, not just the numbers from a standpoint of funding the government, but with a 50-50 Senate and one Democratic senator uh, of New Mexico who's out because of a stroke, and you have two other Democrats that are out uh, handling uh, family uh, medical emergencies. It's a numbers game. Absolutely, and it's always kind of a numbers game in the Senate, uh, specifically because you know usually you need 60 votes for soda pass any sort of bill on, on amendments and uh, motions to proceed sometimes need 51 votes. And that's exactly what Senators Cruz and Senators Lee have been demanding. Uh, Senator Cruz recently put out a tweet just in the past few minutes alone urging every single Republican to stay in through the vaccine mandate. I think we're losing, uh, we're losing Harris there. Uh, we, 
we'll be tracking that. Uh, Harris, uh, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. And uh, we'll be tracking that through the course of today's uh, program to see what happens with those amendments. I think it's uh, quite strategic. Again, it's a numbers game. The Republicans knew that uh, if they get that simple majority vote, they can get these things through. Uh, so, as I said, we'll be uh, we'll be watching this. But it's good to see the Republicans fighting on these things. We should not let these things go easily. As I said, as I've said all along, we've got these mandates and restrictions need to go out with a bang. They don't need to go out with a whimper because wherever we end is where we begin next time. All right. Well, yesterday. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson filed a lawsuit against the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, alleging the agency exceeded its authority in requiring face masks in airports and on planes. With me now to talk about this challenge to the federal airport mask mandate is the Attorney General of the Lone Star State, Ken Paxton. General Paxton, welcome back to the program. Hey, great to be back, and, and I, uh, I'd love to be the, the, the Attorney General that gets rid of masks on airplanes and airports. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, you've got uh, my support in this one. Tell us about the lawsuit and, uh, and and where it stands. So we literally filed it yesterday with a, with a great organization in Texas called the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And our plaintiff is Congressman Beth Van Dyne, who's a friend of mine and, and doing a great job in Congress. Uh, and the argument is pretty simple, that the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, didn't have the authority to issue these uh mask mandates for, for uh, transportation hubs and, and uh, commercial airlines, that they simply overstepped their bounds. There was no statutory authority from Congress, and certainly there was no authority to say that they were going to potentially impose criminal penalties, which they do. If you listen to them on every flight, they mentioned that you could suffer some type of criminal penalty, which certainly Congress would have had to pass that, not have the administration make it up. Well, and, and also you could be banned from future flights. They're creating these uh, no-fly lists based upon people who will, will not wear their masks. Now, yesterday, I played this at the top of the program, uh, the COVID-19 task force in the White House, uh, director of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, and uh, Mr. Jeff Dr. Jeff uh, Zentz, saying that they're looking at this they, with the declining rates of infection. Uh, they're looking at all this, and they're going to be very methodical about this. So my question for you, uh, General Paxson, is I would not be surprised that as your suit is making its way through that they will uh, drop their mandate. My question then is, will you see this through to ensure that they, they do not try to exercise this authority in the future? Oh, absolutely. We are already trying to defend some of our National Guard who are being forced to either get out of the, get out of the National Guard or uh, take the vaccine. We, we fought uh, vaccines and, and mass mandates both in the state of Texas and at the federal level. Of course, we get the OSHA one that we were able to get the first stay. So, yes, to me, this is, a, this is something pretty significant, not because it's about masks or vaccines, but if the federal government can force you to do things like that without any authority and make choices between your health and uh, and your job, then there's really nothing they, they can't do to you. That's right. I 100 percent agree. And what I'm hoping will happen in a number of these lawsuits that some say are now, you know, they're, they're no longer valid because they've dropped the mandates. I think we've got to follow these things through to determine 
in fact, that they do not have the authority, that they overstep their authority so they can't pick up where they left off with the next pandemic or the next crisis that we have? Yeah, I think at the very least, we got to get some type of ruling from a court that, that creates precedent so that you're right. We're not just they just they, they drop out of the lawsuit knowing they're going to lose. And yet they leave themselves in place to do this in the future. We can't have that. Right. So, uh, General Paxson, what sort of timeline are we looking at on this particular lawsuit over the uh, the mask? Look, I don't know. Uh, there's a the preliminary injunction was actually filed uh, by the individual plaintiff and in Texas Public Policy Foundation. The state can't really enjoin it for itself, but we uh, applaud her for doing that. That could be relatively quick, and we may have, uh, you know, a very quick resolution, at least to stop people from being forced to wear them on planes. If that doesn't happen, then, of course, as you know, well aware, you know, it depends on the court and when we get our first hearing and argument and then how, how long it takes the judge to rule. All right. Uh, Attorney General Ken Paxson, always great to, uh, to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this afternoon. Thanks, Tony. Have a great day. You too. Uh, all right. Coming up, the Pentagon's latest strategy for responding to China. What is it? Going to get tough with China? No. They're promoting socialism. I'm not kidding. I am absolutely not kidding. This is out of the Biden administration. Uh, it, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. This administration knows no bounds. All right. We're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. We're going to be joined by Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, retired three-star general. He's going to be vice president here at the Family Research Council. He joins me next as we talk about what the Pentagon's up to. Also, we'll be talking about the latest with Russia and Ukraine. And if we can get to it, we're going to talk about Iran and the nuclear deal. Congress says they want a voice in this. The Senate says you got to send it to us. Will the Biden administration send it to the Senate? We'll talk about that next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, We'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview, the Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the Center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, 
abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. According to news reports, yesterday, the DOD-funded Institute for National Strategic Studies, I'll get that out, at the National Defense University, hosted an event on responding to China. Now, the name of the talk, The Case for Global Justice and Democratic Socialism. Now, if that doesn't uh, cry out wokeness, perhaps this description of the event will. Thomas uh, Piketty, will argue that the right answer, this is uh, from their website, lies in ending Western arrogance and promoting a new egalitarian horizon on a global scale, a new form of democratic and participatory ecological and post-colonial socialism. Now, beyond sounding like a word salad, it is uh, frightening that that's what our military is involved in. I mean, does that sound like something the U.S. military needs to be focused on? Joining me now to talk about this and more is FRC's Executive Vice President, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who spent uh, the last four years of his 36-year military career as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He is also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. General, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Uh, before we uh, we get into uh, this latest evidence of wokeness in our military, let's talk about uh, the latest on Russia and Ukraine. Uh, any developments there? No, I think that uh, it's more of the same. I think it's getting more intense. Um, as uh, Putin is shuffling his forces around, I think what he's doing is he's staging uh, for a final uh, movement across the border. And uh, I, I think at this point, uh, all indications are that uh, he is going to invade Ukraine. And now, you know, hope is not a strategy, but we can hope that uh, that he changes his mind, that uh, something breaks, uh, that uh, will give him an out on this. But uh, right now, it uh, it looks awfully bleak in terms of uh, what's going to happen there. I think he's going to invade. So was this a, was this a head fake uh, by Putin in the last couple of days where he said he was pulling back uh, troops? I think it was. And I think what he's doing is he's uh, giving himself a little more time to continue to whittle away at NATO. 
you know, he's he has actually had some success in in terms of splitting the NATO forces. Uh, he, certainly, he has pulled Germany off, and uh, regardless of what uh, is being reported by the media, I think that the Germans are uh, are really not into this, and uh, they've already uh, made a declaration that the only thing that they're going to provide is going to be uh, medical facilities. They're not going to do anything else uh, to try and help uh, with the Ukraine situation. So I think he's given himself a little bit more time, but I, I think that uh, I think he's trying to keep the West off uh, off balance. But I also think that he's uh, doing everything he can now to further weaken NATO, which will have long lasting consequences. Well, this underscores that what a dangerous world we live in today and uh, how something can pop up overnight. It's a very, very dangerous world. That's why we need a strong military, not necessarily so we use it. The stronger it is, the less likely it will be that we have to use it. But with that in mind, I, I want to move on to uh, this talk being hosted by our nation's premier joint professional military education institution. Uh, the, the fact that we are having a French economist to come in to talk about how we need to move past, uh, you know, our, uh, the, the Western arrogance and move toward a post-colonial socialism. What, what's this about? Yeah, well, first of all, this is the most prestigious institute of learning in our military, and it's, you and I have talked about this a number of times. If you want to change American society, you've got to change the military. You can't have this big anchor called the uh, U.S. military if you're really trying to make substantial changes, as, as that is exactly what's going on. The Marxist movement and, and the Biden administration are clearly trying to change America in, uh, in, in the direction of Marxism, socialism. If you know anything at all about socialism, uh, there is no such thing as democratic socialism. There really is not. There are some nations that are democratic to an extent that uh, practice portions of socialism, but they're not really socialist countries. And, and, and you know, the experts say there are only three socialist countries. Uh, that's Cuba, North Korea, and Venezuela. So uh, what we're seeing here, I think, is part of the propaganda of the Marxist movement in America as well, uh, trying to convince us uh, by going at the very heart of America, which is our military, uh, with uh, with this uh, theology that uh, that you can have democracy and socialism both at the same time, and you really can't. General Boykin, uh, I mentioned this earlier, Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi, a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, said that under President Biden, the military has spent six million man hours on this wokeness training. I mean, what 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 did they not do while they were doing this? Yeah. And also keep in mind, in fact, I was just on the phone with some folks today, uh, Getting getting a little update on some of this stuff, and uh, there is a uh, report that uh, is either out or it's coming out that uh, talks about how the Navy uh, does not have full crews on its ships anymore. Recruiting has become so difficult, and a lot of it, in fact, uh, almost all of it, uh, can be uh, tied back to the amount of time that we've spent. Uh, doing this wokeness training, doing the critical race theory, and and talking about white rage, as as uh, General Milley talked about, 
Uh, and all of this is doing is running people out of the military or preventing them from coming into the military. And now uh, at a time when our adversaries are becoming even more bold, uh, we are in a decline. Our military is in a decline. And I, I tell you, Tony, it, uh, it's very bothersome. I think that as Americans, we should all be very concerned about this. It is, uh, it is a great concern, and I sh- again, underscores the consequences of elections. General Jerry Boykin, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us this afternoon. Good to be with you, Tony. And, and folks, just to underscore the general's point, this makes our nation vulnerable. The stronger our military is, the less likely we have to use it. When we have a weak military that is degraded by social engineering, like what we're seeing under this administration, you're going to see things like Russia. You're going to see things like China. They're going to test us because they know we really can't back up our words. Elections have consequences. Coming up, we talked yesterday in our Human Rights on Ice segment about the second genocide being carried out by the Chinese Communist Party. Well, hold on to your hats. There is a third. We'll talk about that after the break. Stay tuned for more Washington Watch. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Beijing 2022, human rights on ice. Well, the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing are nearing an end with a closing ceremony scheduled for this Sunday. For the past two weeks, we've been devoting a segment each day to highlight some of the abuses being committed by the Chinese Communist Party. And even after the Winter Olympics conclude, our coverage of China's wrongdoing won't. We'll continue 
to raise awareness on what the Chinese Communist Party is doing, and we'll speak out for those who cannot. And today, we're going to put the spotlight on what China has been doing with regard to people in a remote region of Tibet. Join me now to talk about this for today's Human Rights on Ice segment is Dr. Bob Destro, who served as a special coordinator for Tibetan issues at the State Department during the Trump administration. He also served as the former assistant secretary for the Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights and Labor at the State Department. Uh, Professor Destro, welcome back to the program. Well, thanks for having me, Tony. Uh, yesterday, we uh, we covered what we called the second genocide. We discussed what was happening to Falun Gong. Uh, but you have uh, highlighted the fact that what's been happening to uh, in Tibet also classifies as a as a form of genocide. Talk about that. Well, you know, when genocide is not simply the murder of of a lot of people, it's the systematic elimination. Of, of a people and a culture. And, uh, and so when we think back about the Holocaust, it was not simply the murder of the Jews, that was bad enough. You know, what they were trying to do is eliminate the whole Jewish people. And, uh, and in Tibet, you have an ongoing effort uh, by the Chinese Communist Party to eliminate uh, Chinese, or the, the Tibetan language, its culture, the family structure, uh, they even want to take over the uh, the uh, the selection of a new Dalai Lama. You know, so basically there would be nothing left of Tibet other than a place on the map. Well, you could uh, argue that the Chinese Communist Party has had uh, significant success in accomplishing their mission. If you go back to uh, the Summer Olympics in 2008, there was a lot of uh, conflict. The, the Tibetan uh, people were out front. They were protest. Uh, not a peep now. In fact, many Tibetan parents send their children, are all forced to send their children away to boarding schools where they're uh, taught Mandarin Chinese. They've uh, lost their uh, Tibetan uh, background and heritage. So, I mean, essentially, we're seeing that eradication right before our eyes. Yeah, no, that's the whole point. I mean, that's the whole point. And keeping the uh, t- keeping the Tibetan diaspora, you know, all the people who have emigrated uh, together is very, very difficult. And uh, in a generation or two, if not sooner, uh, there will be no more Tibetan language, and without the Tibetan language, you really can't have Tibetan Buddhism either. So, I mean, we've seen this with the the Uyghurs. Uh, We've seen it with Falun Gong. We've seen this now with the Tibetan uh, people. We've seen this uh, with house churches, with the Christians. Um, I mean, anyone who... What is it that classifies someone as a threat to the Chinese Communist Party? Anybody who doesn't buy the program. I mean, that the, the, the United States is a, is a threat to the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, this is the, their, their view is total domination, unlimited warfare. Uh, and, and if you stand in their way, then, then they get rid of you. And they'll try and buy you off, at least at the beginning. And if you can't be bought off, then, then they'll take more drastic measures. So, uh, Professor Destro, what does this say about American corporations that have been largely silent on the abuses of the Chinese Communist Party and 
And I would say NBC, that is uh, covering the Olympics there, you know, other than just the opening segment where they made some, you know, vague references to it, uh, to the abuses that are being raised by others. In fact, they said alleged abuses. Um, You know, what are we to make of corporate America? Well, corporate America has been complicit with the Chinese Party, Communist Party for a long time. And, And it's all about money. I mean, really, you know, it, it's about money. And, and even Chinese dissidents will tell you that the Chinese will not come in. and They don't do strong-arm tactics at the beginning. What they do is they do the, the strong-arm tactics after they try to buy you off. So they'll come in with a nice $50,000, you know, consulting fee. Uh, we've seen that with some of the professors who've been, uh, who've been uh, arrested here. Uh, you know, the Chinese, many American Western companies have, have helped the Chinese build their own surveillance state. I mean, Honeywell was very deeply com- complicit in Xinjiang in the, uh, in the development of the surveillance state. So I think American companies actually do think that they can bridge a gap, a cultural gap. Uh, what they don't understand is that they're going to be eaten alive just like everybody else is. Well, uh, you know, my take on that from my vantage point, uh, Professor Destro, is that while many in the corporate world thought they could change China through trade, I think, unfortunately, the, uh, the evidence suggests the opposite, that China has changed corporate America. Uh, they have lost their moral compass, in my view. Professor Destro, no, always great right. to talk with you. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Bob Destro. Um, he knows a little bit about China, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was, I tell you, again, elections have consequences. We had a team like that at the State Department, uh, Mike Pompeo, and he was m- one of Mike's uh, right-hand men. Big difference, big difference. All right, coming up, Canada's Freedom Convoy is still holding the line for freedom despite the country's prime minister invoking emergency powers to put an end to the demonstrations. We're going to talk about what came before the trucks. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. 
Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. In fact, um, earlier this morning, I was on uh, Fox and Friends with uh, Congressman Chip Roy. We were talking about the uh, the case in Finland uh, with the with the uh, member of parliament, Pave Rosinen. And we were discussing that case. Uh, Chip and I wrote a uh, joint op-ed that was on Fox uh, fox.com. And so anyway, if you'd like to see that, uh, the clip is at uh, TonyPerkins.com at the bottom of the page, if you'd like to look at that. And, and, and it was a warning that what we saw, what we see unfolding in Finland, where the Bible is on trial, that's what this at, this is. Faith is at the stake, and the Bible is on trial, and is a warning. This could be coming to the United States, and so I'd encourage you to uh, to check that out at uh, TonyPerkins.com. All right, earlier today, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau defended his decision to invoke emergency powers to break up protests against his government's COVID-19 mandates, claiming that putting a stop to the demonstrations is for the good of all Canadians. All right, I think we had a... Uh, I thought we were going to play a clip, but we don't have it. Meanwhile, the police presence has grown around the uh, the Freedom Convoy, demonstrations that have paralyzed Canada's uh, capital for the past three weeks and, uh, by the way, have been largely peaceful. As Canadian truckers and other protesters continue to hold the line for freedom and inspiring others to do the same. You know, what? Uh, what is behind all of this? I think... There is more to this than meets the eye. And joining me to talk about this now is Dr. Owen Strand. He is a senior fellow for FRC Center for Biblical Worldview and author of Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. Owen, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much, Tony. Great to be back with you. So you have made the point that before there were truckers, there were pastors in Canada standing for freedom. Let's talk about it. 
That's exactly right. Uh, in 2021, a number of pastors stood up and even went to prison because they refused to abide by mandates that the church not gather during lockdowns. So men like Jacob Rayom, uh, James Coates, Tim Stevens, and others paid a, a severe price. Rayom's church in eastern Canada has racked up about $50 million in fines because he has refused to shut the worship of the, of the living Christ down. And then in uh, western Canada, James Coates and Tim Stevens both have gone to prison. Rayom did not go to prison, but those two men did. This was about a year ago, uh, right about now, uh, for James Coates. And so even before there were these brave, courageous Canadian truckers taking a stand for liberty in Canada and the rest of the world watching in awe, as they have done so the last several weeks, uh, we just need to know that there were sound uh, pastors, not a ton of them, but a number of them, who were willing to put their, their lives and their livelihood on the line uh, and pay very severely as they did. And they have helped to uh, play a role in the story of uh, Canadians promoting liberty under the face of uh, champagne tyranny, as I call it, from Justin Trudeau. You know, Owen, um, that, that sounds vaguely familiar, uh, pastors leading the way for freedom and independence. Uh, it sounds a little bit like the American story, but uh, unfortunately, I think we've we've grown soft. Can I say that? That we've grown soft, that we don't know what it's like to have to stand up and fight for our freedom. We've, we're like the proverbial frog in the kettle. Uh, all this stuff has changed around us, and we've kind of watched uh, Canada, you know, over the last two decades as they've become more socialistic in their policies. Uh, but finally, it looks like they've reached a tipping point there. It certainly does. I think uh, everybody has has gone soft, at least to some degree. And it's almost like the New Testament and the first century church, the book of Acts, that, that which goes on in that wild book, has become abstract to us. So yeah, you might suffer as a Christian. That's something we read about in history books or something we watch when we're watching a documentary on the Reformation or Baptists in America or something like that. And we have this opt-out of the New Testament, where if we're just really nice uh, and we just love our neighbor, we can go on uh, uh, loving our neighbor and, and keeping the second commandment, and we can break the first commandment to love God. And the, the primary way God is loved is by obeying what his word says, and his word tells us uh, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, Hebrews ten twenty five. So suffice it to, to say that a lot of pastors and Christians have tried to find ways out of the call to suffer with Jesus Christ, the call to take up our cross and follow him. But uh, then there are many who have not uh, uh, failed to pick up their cross, and they're having a tremendous effect. Uh, when yeah. even just one person stands up for liberty and the truth, others end up following. You see, that that's the message that I like to repeat over and over because it's so true. Courage breeds courage. And it, it, it doesn't take a lot, doesn't take a majority, it just takes a committed minority, those that are willing to stand up, because before long, you realize you're not standing alone, others will stand uh, beside you. But I, I think we've lost, I, to your point about the church, we've, I, I think we've become soft, because we're kind of, we're kind of locked into this uh, uh, time frame in which we live. Although I would say that, you know, for those that are watching and paying attention, we're seeing that the hostility toward Orthodox Christianity, biblical Christianity is intensifying. But if you look over the two, last 2,000 years of the church, most of it has been through difficulty. 
uh, it, it has not been an easy road. Uh, you know, fortunately in this country, Christianity kind of became the dominant uh, cultural influence up until about 50 years ago. And now we're, we're I think, suffering the consequences of disengagement. Um, but Canada, again, pointing to the fact that it was the pastors there that has inspired these truckers. In fact, I know that many of the, a number of these pastors have actually continued to minister to the truckers and to be there at these freedom convoys, some of them even even being arrested for going to speak to these truckers. That's exactly right. And so that's what you need. If, if the Christian church is going to show that it is more than a Sunday morning uh, gathering experience, we're going to have to have men who lead churches, pastors, put themselves on the line for the cause of truth and liberty and goodness in our world, especially uh, when it's done under the banner of Jesus Christ. And that's what these faithful men in Canada are doing. They are putting a masterclass on for the rest of the world. And they are, frankly, if I may say so, Tony, shaming many pastors in America and beyond who are not willing for any number of reasons to step up and suffer for the cause of Christ. Look, Caesar has said recently, don't render to God what is God's. Don't publicly gather to worship Jesus Christ on Sunday morning. It's, it's, it's optional. You can just Zoom it. And uh, as John MacArthur, a faithful pastor in uh, California, has said, there's no such thing as a Zoom church. There are times for people who are sick or something like this to stream a uh, service. Sure. But no such thing as uh, the worship of Jesus Christ that is not done by a gathered body. These pastors are standing for that right, that, that biblical truth, and then they in turn have sparked a broader movement, and I honor them for it. I, I, I want to transition to those American pastors that you make reference to because, you know, first we had the lockdowns and we had, uh, we did have some faithful pastors that, uh, look, I was, and you know, I've talked about this, but I think in the initial phases, it was the right thing to do to, to close, you know, 15 days to s- slow the spread because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But then when we began to see, all right, we know what this is about. It's about politics and power. And then faithful pastors started to open back up and said, we're, we're going to meet. I don't care what you say. So there were some of them out there. And their churches, by the way, have grown uh, because people mm-hmm. were hungry and they were looking for the truth. But then it transitioned to these mandates, uh, to these vaccine mandates. And 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 I was really troubled by an article I read uh, late last week uh, about the many faith. This is what it was entitled: "Many Faith Leaders Wary of Religious Exemptions for Vaccine." And they quoted a number of uh, religious leaders, prominent pastors, uh, and, and I'm not going to get into mentioning names, but you know, one prominent Baptist pastor saying, "You know, people, um, since there is no credible biblical argument against vaccines." We have refused to offer exemptions to the handful of people who have requested them. Basically, these pastors telling people, you have no credible biblical argument not to surrender your body to government to get this injection. And, and Owen, I, I have a problem with that because I don't think it's biblical. I have a problem with it, too. Uh, it's called the image of God. It's called I am made by God, and as such, I bear and even am the image of God. My body has been given me as a gift from the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6. I steward it to the glory of God. I cannot make myself live forever in this body. I am under the curse of sin, and yet I am responsible for being a steward of the body that God has given me. That means that I, and not some faith council out there somewhere, am responsible for making the decisions about my body and uh, my family's bodies, my children's bodies, 
And so if I am somewhat concerned, let's say, about a vaccine that has been rushed uh, to production, uh, that has not been tested according to established procedures, if I have those concerns, then it is totally valid for me as a human being, and yes, as a Christian, to register register those concerns and not go through with the virus. If somebody disagrees with me uh, and, and assesses all the same data and is a Christian and believes that they are the image of God and wants to get the vaccine, they have that freedom, and I do not condemn them for doing so. But this this whole discussion of religious exemptions and everything, my body is from God, and so that's the starting well, point for my whole faith. And to add to that, not only is your body from God, but it is the temple of God. It is, as Paul talks about, and Paul talks about, you know, for some of us, you know, as he was talking about eating the the meat that may have uh, come from the marketplace that had been offered to idols, you know, if if, if it bothers you, don't eat it. Uh, You know, if you don't have a problem with it, eat it. So, you know, I personally... I personally would not apply for a religious exemption. My concerns over the vaccine are not based upon uh, religious concerns. But I have people in my family that do have that concern, and they have exercised that, and I support them in doing that. Um, So I I think we've got to— I think the Scripture is very clear on that. I also think the Constitution, well, our founding documents, I should say, where the the founders recognize the rights of conscience— and I, I cannot think of anything more invasive than forcing someone to inject something into their body. And, and, and again, this is something that is relatively new. We don't know. We're now starting to see uh, more evidence come out about the consequences of these vaccines and to force people to do it. And then for religious leaders to say, you have no right to object to this. I just have a I just don't think they're on biblical grounds to say that. It's unconscionable that religious leaders are doing so, especially from the standpoint of the Scripture. The Scripture says nothing about thou, thou must take vaccinations or something like this. You are free to think things through, and if you assess that you should, or you, your loved ones, your family, you are free to do so. But there is not a biblical mandate. Uh, there's a word we're hearing everywhere in the last two years for us to do so. We have freedom here, and we we would never want to violate rights of conscience as Christians, certainly uh, as a Baptist. I would never want to do that, and, and I wouldn't want to do that even as an American citizen, even if I'm not a Christian, because the rights of conscience are not like 37th on the list of important factors in a free society. The rights right. of conscience are basically first. If you take those right. away, you no longer have a free society. And there's why, and therein lies my concern about the mandate is because I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to surrender to a government mandate for a vaccine. Um, and I've got my own medical reasons because I've had, the, I've had two of the different variants, and so I've got natural immunity. So mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I need to get it. And then secondly, if we surrender on this, what's next? Totally. Uh, We are the people who should most be standing for not the binding of people's consciences, according to man-made laws. The New Testament has a little bit to say about that. We are the people who should most of all be supporting uh, people to have the freedom of speech, freedom of thought, religious liberty, on and on it goes. There are some risks that uh, adhere, when that obtain, when you have a society that is free. Uh, there are different viewpoints that get represented that you strongly disagree with, and so on and so forth. But that is all based in, that, that right of conscience is all based in the individual being 
made in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 28, no one being able to force us to get saved. We believe that you need to be saved according as God moves and, and, and opens your heart and you, you freely want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so we as Christians are those who have the highest stake in rights of conscience and individual liberty, and we should be heard in public along those lines. Uh, oh, and final, uh, final question for you. When you look at what's happening in, in Canada, the peaceful protest, you look at Christians here just kind of wanting to exercise religious exemptions to this mandate. Is there kind of a double standard we see in society today where people who burn and trash cities and loot uh, kind of get a free pass? And, and, and you see the Canadian uh, you know, prime minister cracking down, seizing bank accounts, taking trucks, livelihoods for peaceful protesters? It's really terrible up there, Tony, in Canada. They're having barbecues. They're grilling steaks. I mean, it's just, it's absolute civilizational mayhem. You can't even make sense of it. Yeah, I mean, this is just ridiculous. It's absolutely the uh, up is down, down is up, right is wrong, wrong is right. We were told uh, in summer 2020 that it was wonderful for America to be burned and for lots of people to die and for 50% of black businesses to go out of business. And now we're being told it is absolutely heinous and evil that a bunch of truckers are are exercising free rights and uh, and organizing peaceful protests and uh, and and there could be nothing worse on planet Earth and so Trudeau is being exposed as a champagne tyrant and I, I pray I genuinely pray uh, that good will follow from this. Yes, I, I hope they put a cork on it up there. All right, Owen, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Always great to talk with you. Thank you. You too. And, folks, it's always great to talk with you as well. So glad that you uh, joined us today. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned, uh, I've got my uh, Fox & Friends interview that uh, Chip Roy and I did this morning. It's at the bottom of the page. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.